Hey, good Saturday morning. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. We're with you till noon on 690. We're going to talk a little bit of everything. We've got Patrick Bexel joining us from uh, Gothenburg, Sweden. Talk about, uh, we'll get the Jesperi Kotkaniemi update. Kotkaniemi's starting to put up some points. Uh, we will talk a little NBA free agency as well. Grant Needham will be making an in-studio appearance. That's how big a deal this hit is. Uh, he will be breaking down the Montreal Impact 2020 season with us. The Impact get bounced yesterday. We'll also be talking to the coach, Jeff Reinbold. I think Jeff's still locked out of his uh, Twitter account, and it's uh, it's bothering him. He's been reaching out to me by uh, very different avenues. Uh, I gotta ask him how he gets so tanned. Well, he lives in Hawaii. I know, but like the he's it, back in Hawaii. He's on like a next level tan. He's back in Hawaii, by Is the he way, really? and he's so he's going to be joining us at six forty-five a.m. his time, six thirty-five a.m. his time, eleven thirty-five a.m. our time, uh, and we will also because we have to. Uh, we will be talking about the CFL unveiling their twenty twenty-one schedule. There's something that bothers me about the Alouette schedule. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, we also have John Still's favorite segment, the disaster. Of the week, John disasters. is just usually relieved that it's not him. Is it John Still? Is it not John Still? <laughs> You'll have to find out. Uh, but I do want to start with some soccer talk. The Montreal Impact's 2020 MLS season is over. The Impact went into last night's game against the New England Revolution with no designated players in their lineup, while the Revs had all three of theirs, and that was the difference. Yes, Romel Kyoto had a great season, and Boyan was very good in the second half of the year, but it's clear the roster still has some holes in it. They need to revamp their center backs, maybe add a little more speed on the wings. But it's the high-end players they're clearly lacking, offensive difference makers. With that being said, I like where this team's headed. For the first time in a long time, it seems like the Impact aren't just building a team year to year. They actually have a long-term plan in mind. Olivier Renard has added some good young pieces to this group, and there's no reason for me to believe that he won't continue to retool this roster during the offseason. But right now, if you're an Impact fan... It's all about the way you lost last night. Losing in the final seconds on the road when you've given everything you got is heartbreaking. Somehow, they have to pick up the pieces in a hurry and get ready for a Champions League game next month against Honduras' Olympia. I realize that the impact are eliminated uh, from the you know MLS Cup playoffs. They were one and done. I still don't feel good about the way they went out, but... Like I said, I feel like for the first time, maybe ever in MLS, that the front office actually has a plan in place, a long-term vision. And it's not to say that you know they had done it wrong all the other years before, and they've clearly gone further under Mauro Biello. They went to the you know they were a game away from the MLS Cup final, but even then, those teams they felt like they were built for year-to-year success. And that's fine. If you go on a long playoff run, that's okay. But the impact only went on one of those. Right now, it it, it hurts for sure if you're an impact fan because of the way you go out at the last second. You thought that you were headed for extra time, potentially penalties, and in that scenario, anything can happen. You look at the faces of some of the guys on the pitch. You, you look at what Rudy Camacho gave you playing uh, that defensive midfielder spot in the absence of Victor Wanyama. And Bo- and uh, and Sam Piet, and I thought he did well. I thought he did very well, and you saw that he had nothing left. He's not used to playing that position. He's a natural center back. That's where he's played throughout his entire Montreal Impact career, anyway. 
And you could tell that the extra running in the middle of the park, it had got to him at the end of the game. Louis Binks. Louis Binks, you saw that face, the devastation on his face after the Gustavo Bowl goes in for New England. But that's a young man who had a whale of a season as a teenager. And calling the game last night, I don't know how many times I said a shot blocked by Binks. Romel Kyoto, again, when the impact needed a goal most, who delivers? Who else but Romel Kyoto? Even Boyan had some moments, especially in that first half, where it looked like he was going. There are pieces here. There are pieces. And that leads me to my Saturday sports poll question, which you can find on Twitter, at Joey Alfieri and at TSN690. And it's just how do you feel about the future of this Montreal Impact team? You've got three options. Trending up for sure. Too early to tell. Don't have a good feeling. Those are your three options. You can find that poll question on Twitter. You can also text us at 11690. Give me your opinion. How are you feeling this morning, Impact fans? Are you able to you know, see the, the light at the end of the very, very long tunnel? Or are you still just heartbroken after what went down at Gillette Stadium last night? And I'll take this cue to ask this poll question to my good buddy, J.K. Still. Really trying to run with that, eh? Jonathan Kenneth Still. Oh, boy. <laughs> joining me. On Saturday sports, as he always does. I'm Johnny coughing from hearing my own middle name. How so, are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you the question. That's where I want to start with you. Trending up for sure? Too early to tell? Don't have a good feeling? Oh, trending up. Uh, 100%. You think uh, it's trending up? Well, I'll tell you what. On the poll, it's not 100%. Really? Trending up is not at 100%. I guarantee you. I think, I think people need to take a step back. Number one, uh, the obvious thing is uh, 2020 is a disaster. I hope maybe that's your disaster of the week is the entire year of 2020. Maybe our December 30th or 31st show or whatever. That works. Um, But, man, didn't they play with a lot of desire last night? They did. And something that, and and you talked about Louis Binks. I mean, I don't know how many times I saw Zachary Brogiard and Louis Binks basically almost tear a groin Mm. trying to make a challenge. Rod Fanny as well. Old man Fanny was Even a guy that I thought has been terrible this year, Rudy Camacho, when he got moved into midfield, I thought that he played as solid a game as he could have been out of position. Thierry Henry was talking early in the week about how it's all going to come down to desire. And he clearly has gotten through to the majority of his players because last night they they left it all out there. I mean, they they weren't the better team. They probably did not deserve to win. But then again, there's a whole bunch of games in, uh, in soccer or football where uh, teams who uh, don't deserve to win end up winning anyways. Yeah. And from everything they did last night, uh, with the circumstances around the game, with Wanyama and Piet out, with the deficiencies we know that they have at the back and at the uh, striker or center forward position, uh, with all due respect to Romel Kyoto, who's been fantastic in a makeshift role this year, I thought they were great last night. I thought they were as good as they could have been, realistically. I think that's what I would say to Impact fans today is be realistic about who your team is and be realistic about the circumstances under a brand new head coach in this crazy year 
And I agree 100% with what you brought up first, which is the building towards something, the recruitment of players who are under the age of 25 instead of, I mean, who didn't love seeing Didier Drogba walk into the walk into the airport and have uh, 300 people just right outside chanting his name as soon as he walked in? And that was nice for two years. And then yeah. after they were back to square it, one. It was nice for a year. It was nice for a year and, and change because that second year, people forget. DJ Drogba in a do or die game with the Eastern Conference Championship on the line. DJ Drogba didn't start that game. Mateo Mancosu did. DJ Drogba didn't start that whole playoff run. Mancosu is the one who did, and Mancosu played very well. Came up with some big goals. The impact were a game away from the Eastern Conference Championship. Now that's a whole different but argument. But just just my point being that yes. the guys they've invested in, the Kizas, the Mason Toy, and again, who, who knows if all of these are going to work out? Kiza, Mason Toy, Louis Binks. Binks. I mean, you see Clement Ziep was fantastic last Unbelievable night. Unbelievable last night. The goalkeeping position for the impact, you don't got to worry about that for another five years with Pantemis and Ziep in there. So th- there and are... We'll see. Well, we'll for see. me. He but played there, well. There are moments... And there are there is talent on this team that make you feel that another transfer window of doing similar business from Olivier Renard and company. There are probably two transfer windows again from really having the team that Thierry Henry wants. But if you give them one, I think that you'll see the impact back in MLS playoffs next year. And then who knows by year number three or year number two exactly what they can accomplish with uh, with the team that uh, Thierry Henry will want for the impact. But um, yeah, I think they did as well as they could last night. Back to heel on the left. Heel to Bunbury. Bunbury trying to slip away from Rudy Camacho. Bunbury able to play to the far right for Buchanan. Buchanan into the middle for Bo. Bo slips it into the box for heel. Heel with the volley, and he's found the back of the net. The Revolution are up 1-0. A beautiful goal from Carles Heel. Heel for Gustavo Bo. Bo looking for some room. Plays it out wide to the left for Jones. Jones with the cross, cut off by Camacho. Camacho clears, but the Revolution back on it. Jones again in Montreal territory on the left. Plays it to Bo. Bo with a shot, and he's picked the back of the net with less than a minute to go. The New England Revolution have scored the go-ahead goal, and surely this is it. For the Montreal Impact. Yeah, if you hear those clips last night, uh, both of the New England goals, what did you notice on those, John? You heard a lot of heel and a lot of bow. And those are two of the three designated players, your star offensive attacking players for the New England Revolution. And they both scored. And the other one, Adam Buxa, the big Polish forward, he hit the post a couple times. Mm-hmm. And he created some scoring chances as well. That To me, that was the difference last night. The better team won. Don't don't get me wrong. New England Revolution were clearly the better team. They missed three golden opportunities in the second half with the score tied 1-1 before Gustavo Bo scored that game-winning goal in the 95th minute. But that's the difference. I mean, I, I realize you're, you're talking about two teams that finished 8th and ninth in the conference. Now, you're going to look at the standings and you're going to tell me, okay, Joey, yes, New England finished 8th. Montreal finished ninth, but there's six points difference between them. Okay, let me point out to their records. How many wins difference between Montreal and New England? Zero. Zero wins. The six points difference was all ties. And you're going to tell me, hey, a tie is a tie. You're in the game. You pick up a point. Absolutely. But I'll just also point out 
that the Montreal Impact did not play at Saputo Stadium in the second half of the season, where New England was terrible at home this year. So that's a clear advantage for the Revolution. They got to be home. They didn't live out of a suitcase. They weren't spending their nights in a hotel in Harrison, New Jersey. They were in their own beds at home. So these teams are evenly matched. But it's the top end of the roster. That's where the difference is. Now, you, you, we can go position for position, and I think there's some spots where the impact are better than New England, and there's some spots where New England's better than Montreal. Keeper, you mentioned Clément Diop, phenomenal last night. I personally would rather have Matt Turner. He was runner-up goalkeeper of the year in 2020 in MLS. But last night, did they lose because of Diop? Absolutely not. But I don't think if you... Okay, well, this is a big if. But if you strip New England of the designated players and they had to play with the roster that Montreal was rolling with last night without the DPs, I don't think there's a big gap between these two teams. They're right there. And so that's where I think that's you need to revamp your center backs. The fact that your boy Binks is going to be back next year, John, huge deal. That's massive, big. Massive, that's massive, massive. But as well as Fanny played last night, as well as Fanny played against DC United, the guy's in his late 30s. For what you're trying to build, it's time to move on. It's just time to move on. Oh, it was they need to, to revamp on. the was, center backs. It was time to move on two years ago. No offense to Rod Fanny. They need to revamp the center backs in a big way. Hopefully they can find a taker for Camacho. But if not, they need to add two more. And they, they need the high-end talent. They need they need somebody. They need a, a difference maker, the guy who can turn the game on its head. Last night, Grant mentioned uh, Pozuelo uh, for TFC and Carles Heel in New England. It's the guys that pull the strings, right? Like they float over to the right sometimes. And sometimes they float into the middle. And sometimes they float on the left. But you always have to account for them because the ball always seems to be on their foot. And not only can they put the ball in the back of the net, they can also create for others. And the impact have never had that creative attacking midfielder. Nacho Piatti was outstanding. The most underappreciated superstar during his time in MLS because of the market he was in. But they've never had that guy who could pull the strings. I thought Boyad might be that. No. He's not that. He's not that. They need to add high-end talent. And I don't know if they have, you know, they're not going to go with the three designated players because you have to pay an additional fee if you use all three spots, John. But you either move on from Wanyama and bring on two designated players or you keep Wanyama and you find a home run DP and you roll with two DPs next year. Yeah, I mean that's the that's going to be the challenge for Olivier Renard. And again, um, man, I, I don't know enough about how you addressed bringing in quality center backs in MLS. I don't know where you find them. I don't know where you trade for them. I don't know if you draft them. That's going to be very interesting. But again, so they lack high end talent. It, it, let's if you if you're looking at. Uh, if you're looking at uh, the Montreal Canadiens, Montreal Canadiens need a superstar player. That's exactly what the Montreal Impact need, and it's very easy to say that you need it. It's a whole other thing trying to find it. But the reason why I'm I'm so positive about the Impact is that if they're playing four at the back next year, let's just say, let's just say it's four at the back. I understand he's played uh, three five two or whatever yep. it is throughout the season. Mm-hmm. They play four at the back. You do technically have. Three out of those four positions addressed, for me, with Kiza at left back, 
with Brogiard at right back and with Binks Agreed at a center back. Hundred percent. So you're already you have three out of those four positions right there. I don't think that they believe that they need to bring in another midfielder because they do have Victor Wanyama to sit there. Samuel Piet started almost every game that he was fit. And Steven Saba is a Haitian international. They we were really high seen. on this kid. Yeah. He broke his foot jogging in, in the streets of Montreal and didn't play all year. He was on the bench yesterday, hasn't played all year. So I don't know how he fits in either. And we saw improvements from Amar Sadic and Emmanuel yeah. Maciel throughout the year. Maciel did not look good yesterday. I, I don't even remember him touching the ball, to be perfectly honest. If but you, you saw, I, I remember him touching the ball. It was often going back towards the right. impact goal. So yeah. you, but th- that's it. Is that Do you know if that was him or the fact that he was playing in a position where he didn't have someone who was mopping up behind him like a Wanyama and a Piet, and he got lost in the shuffle in midfield yesterday? Romel Kyoto, revelation. Lassie Lapalainen returns for next season. Who knows if maybe Thierry Henry and Balu Tabla don't uh, keep hating each other or Giacuanco. I mean, there are pieces here that if you do add that impact player that you're talking about, and Thierry Henry is a big draw across the world of football for obvious reasons. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. Yep. The impact, theoretically, if they can address that one position and bring in center back cover can easily be a playoff team next year in MLS in a non-COVID let's say, year. strange if year where they sneak in in 10th yeah. and whatever. I, I, I'm That's why I'm so high, and I hope that uh, the majority of Impact fans can realistically diagnose what their club is and what they need to do to get to the next level. They're on the right path. They're on the right path. They are. And, and look, I think... And now I want to get you the poll results uh, on our poll question, and I want to get to the text message board because it's actually lighting up like crazy right now. But listen, there's still things they need to figure out. I think defending has been an issue, but I saw a stat last night, John. I'm not sure if you saw this. The Impact have scored in 21 consecutive road games. I did see that. That's the longest streak ever in MLS. This team can put the ball in the back of the net. This team can score... And they don't have a star forward or a star attacking midfielder. They don't. So imagine when you bring in quality pieces, guys that can be difference makers, guys that can grab the bull by the horns, guys that can turn this game in a second with a brilliant offensive play. Imagine what happens when they get that. You still need to figure out the defensive part of the game, defensive shape and all that, but I still think that they did make some strides there. Box defending somehow. Just, I don't know. It's like uh, death, taxes, the grass is green, sky is blue, impact can't defend on set pieces for the most part this year. And I know that didn't necessarily haunt them last Got night. a nice but little goal on a set piece last night. Yeah, but yeah a goal I off agree. a set piece last night. But that's been something that's troubled them for years. For it's year, not even just the Thierry Henry ever, no, rare era. It's everybody. That's right. Uh, Klopas was an issue. It was an issue with when Mauro Biello was here. It was an issue when Remy Gard was here. It was just, it was an issue. It's been an issue. But. It's just like I mentioned off the top. It just feels like, and I'm glad you agree with me, because I, I really do respect your opinion. It just feels like they're building something, like something sustainable, something where once you hit your stride, you're going to be able to be good for a while, and you're going to do it differently than a TFC does it, because you're not going to go out there and spend $20, 25000000 million a year to field the team. That's just not reality. Now, if you're an Impact fan, 
I need to caution you. I think that there's going to be a lot of turnover every few years because they clearly want to invest in young players. And then once they build up that value, they want to sell those players off. That's how they're going to make money. But they plan on taking that money, reinvesting it into the club, keeping some for sure for profit. That's why everybody's in the business. And then reinvesting in younger players and doing the whole exercise over again. That's probably how this is going to go. Well, you hope so. That's how every sustainable club who's not uh, g- Barcelona, packing 60,000 yeah, yeah. people in the stands right. every night. But that's, that's what, what it they is. have to do. And the, 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 you know what the great thing, because I know there's people that roll their eyes when they hear this. You know what the great thing about that is? The advantage you have when you're an MLS as opposed to in Europe, John? Mm-hmm. You need to be one of the top seven teams, and then you have a chance to win. Whereas there's no playoffs in other leagues. You're either top of the table or you're not. This way, the top team doesn't always win in MLS. That's just the reality. All right, Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till noon. Uh, we will be breaking down. We'll get a Kotkaniemi update uh, from our uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize European correspondent, Patrick Bexel, in just a few minutes. Our Saturday Sports poll question, you can vote at Joey Alfieri at TSN 690. How do you feel about the Montreal Impact's future after what you witnessed in 2020? Uh, trending up for sure. Too early to tell. Don't have a good feeling. John, this is so tight. Go on. Okay. Don't have a good feeling is leading the way at 35%, and I I don't agree with that at all. Too early to tell, which is a fair response. Look, they're all fair responses, but too early to tell is second at 34%. You and I, trending up for sure, we're last, but it's at 31%. So it's 35, 34, 31, which is pretty, I mean, it's pretty even. It's even. But you know Montreal. You know Montreal is a sports market, a little dramatic. And not only that, uh, we're we're all uh, pessimistic sports fans in the city. Absolutely. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot of optimism based on uh, recent success. Let's just say. So I understand where fans are, but again, um, you have to give this man time. You have to give Thierry These Henry men, time. Thierry Henry, no, 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 Olivier just, Renard, right, but just, Vasily Kremenzidis. But just going from time. Thierry Henry because he's going to be the guy who's judged. He's the figurehead. He is the name brand here at the Impact. Every manager, no matter right. where you're managing, you need multiple transfer windows, number one. And I hope he has something that I criticize him about the entirety of this year. I hope next year he has a clear and concise game plan in terms of a formation week in and week out. I understand the challenges of this year, but that's something he needs to work on. But all in all, the way that Olivier Renard has supplemented his squad gives me a lot of confidence going forward. And you're talking to someone who very rarely has a lot of (laughs) confidence (laughs) in what the Montreal Impact are doing. So please, bear with the Montreal Impact Things are trending in the right direction. All right. John and I will uh, break down Terry Henry's season uh, just after 11.20. We will also be joined by TSN 690 analyst uh, Grant Needham. He'll join us in studio at 11.05. Looking at the text message board, John, because there are a lot of Impact fans chiming in. Uh, Justin from Il Bazard says, Stagnant without a real striker and a real center back. Two DPs needed, but good effort regarding the circumstances. Thanks, boys. Good show. Uh, Mauro says, Mario Mandzukic. He checks so many boxes, a real number nine to support Boyan. Plus, when he talks in the room, you listen. He knows how to win. 
And there's no joke here because Mauro put three exclamation points at the end of that text message at 11690 and then texted six minutes later saying Mandzukic in all capital letters and he put four exclamation points at the end of that one. So you know that Mauro means business. Uh, we got another one coming in at 11690. Uh, hey guys, it's Dan from Point Fortune, Quebec. I'm the guy who dressed up as Arturi Lekkinen for Halloween. I have to say, it worked out as I expected. I worked very hard and came up empty. I also got a face wash from an 80-year-old lady. Regarding your question, I would like to think the impact are trending up, but I think the Saputo, that Saputo seems to be a meddling owner, which is not good. Thanks from Dan. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really heard from Joey Saputo in a while. Not sure he's... he's Listen, there's no I doubt think that he was a, meddling at yeah. one point, but I don't know. I think that it would that's take a lot of chutzpah right for uh, Joey Saputo to start meddling in Thierry. Um, I, I would love to see those conversations. I know he's the boss, but trying to tell Thierry Henry what to do. Look, and, and he's been a meddling owner. I mean, there's no doubt there's about no doubt. it, and yeah. they've had some success uh, here with uh, you know with the Montreal Impact since joining MLS. But I just I don't think that's the the thing right now. Uh, but thanks, Dan. Uh, financially, I am concerned about the impact. This season has not helped their financial woes going ahead. That's from Ian. Uh, Vass says, don't forget the revolution were 3-0 and versus the impact before this game. Divayo, Drogba, Piatti, sweet memory. Spend money! With an exclamation point. Montreal is a first-class city. Deserves a first-class team. I don't disagree with most of what our uh, text messengers are saying here. Uh, I just... I, I think... I'm liking the lack of vitriol. Let's just say that. Yeah. I think, look, the Mauro and I have talked. Mauro write to me on Facebook. We write back and forth uh, a lot. And uh, he keeps mentioning Mandzukic's name. And I like Mario Mandzukic. Don't get me wrong. Uh, one of my favorites. But I just, I don't know if he fits what the impact they're trying to do. I, I don't think the impact want to go and get, you know, an older 30 plus year old guy. How old is yeah. Mandzukic now? Oh, he must be 33. He's got to be, right? Something like that. I think if if that if he will come in at the right price, I think it's something they would look at for sure. But I just, I don't see Mandzukic coming to North America at the right price. Not the, to Montreal. The one anyway. thing I'll give Mario Mandzukic is that uh, in his time at Juventus, he never complained. He has the proper Never. he has the proper mentality for Thierry Henry because I have a feeling that he's just a consummate professional and it doesn't matter that he's on the last legs of his career. I think he won't be one of those guys who basically takes a game in and then takes a game off. So I he like won't. the idea. Yeah. But I mean I just I don't know if it fits into the plan. I don't know. I don't know what the, I, I think he'd be great in MLS. Don't I think he'd be fantastic. Wrong. I think Olivier Giroud would be fantastic. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah. There, I saw where his, he told his agent the priority is not necessarily to go back to Ligue 1. And not only that yeah. uh Thierry Henry uh, probably wants to get him out of the French French national team because he's only a few goals away from breaking yeah. his record with the French <laughs> national team. So yeah. Olivier Giroud, but it's interesting to see what kind of profile it'll be. Will it be an out-and-out striker? Will it be someone more like a Nacho Piatti who can basically do everything from every position on the field? You just you need to hit a home run, John. You need whatever to hit a home run at whatever position yeah. it is, yes. All right, Saturday Sports, TSN 690. He's John Still. I'm Joey Alfieri. We're with you till noon. Uh, we will talk a little Habs next. Jesperi Kotkaniemi has started putting up points in the Finnish League. Why is he having more success now? Patrick Bexel from Habs Eyes on the Prize will join us from Sweden. This is Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri. You're home for the biggest sporting events on the planet. TSN 690. 
Welcome back. Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri and John still with you till noon. We will have more impact talk because uh, you guys are obviously very fired up on Twitter, very fired up on the text message board. Uh, people are uh, are weighing in what the impact need, how they feel about the impact's future. Uh, so we will get to that uh, in uh, momentarily. Uh, Grant Needham will join us in studio. Uh, just after 11 o'clock, TSN 690 soccer analyst who called the game with me last night. Uh, so we'll get Grant's thoughts. Does Boyan come back? Does, uh, you know, what do they need to add? I'll, I'll ask Grant. I'll give Grant a Christmas wish list and he'll let me know uh, what he needs. But it is time to talk a little hockey. And uh, joining us now, our good buddy, friend of the show, Patrick Bexel, out in Gothenburg, Sweden. He's uh, with Habs Eyes on the Prize. He's their European correspondent. And he's been following a lot of the, uh, what the, Montreal Canadiens, European players have been doing uh, out there to start the season. Patrick, what's going on? How are you? I just have to say I'm fine, but I have to say Montreal obviously needs a slot on. They need a <laughs> I figured yeah, you yeah, would yeah. say that. Uh, and uh, you know what? If uh, Zlatan was willing to come to Montreal, uh, I think that uh, the impact would probably be open to that, even though they're trying to get younger. Yeah, well, and, and I think... Most teams could actually use the uh, Ibrahimovic. <laughs> yeah. Can we just talk about the fact that Zlatan went from MLS to AC Milan? Back to Italy, yeah. Back to Italy. He scored in five straight games. The guy is... All the talk that it's he ridiculous. makes about being superhuman, he might have been 100% correct. Because I don't think I've ever seen a guy go to a lesser league, come back to Italy, and be even better than when he previously left. The guy is insane. He definitely did destroy yeah. the coronavirus. <laughs> well, we, we'll have to see what uh, Pfeiffer and uh, all the other companies say about that, but maybe they can learn a thing or two. All right, Patrick, want to get into uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi in particular. Finally, you know, last time we spoke, you were telling us that uh, that his team, uh, Pori, has a very good first line. He was centering the second line with two players that were so-so, and maybe that's why the offense wasn't coming. All of a sudden, it's been a big week for Kotkaniemi, and he's starting to put up points. What have you noticed in his game? Actually, it's it's just the same game as before, and yeah. he just had a very good assist on the power play. Um, he's playing right. He, if, if, he's playing right now, right? Yeah, he's giving an interview in Finnish, and I'm sorry I can't translate it because my <laughs> Finnish is limited to like, "Thank you for the food; it was great." Yeah, it's better than uh, mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 more or less the same. I just think he has gelled a little bit with the with his teammates, with the line mates. He's getting a bigger opportunity to play. Um, interestingly enough, they started to use him on the penalty kill, or as we say, the box play. Yeah. Um, you know, get, getting that face of he's very good in the face of circle in, in Liga, and that helps, you know, killing him a little bit of the penalty if he wins it. And then obviously with his long stick and, and big strides, he can cover a lot of eyes as well. I think it, it's beneficial for his game as well because it, it's something that he doesn't regularly do in Montreal, but it's another side that he might want to be picking up on and, and, and helping out with. You never know who's going to the box anyway, so it might be good to have a Kotkaniemi going in there and, and knowing the lines, knowing, mm-hmm. knowing where to cover and, and getting that face of win maybe. So it's interesting that you're talking about him taking key face-offs and doing well in the face-off circle because, as you know, I know you obviously follow the Canadians very closely. Uh, that hasn't necessarily been the case at the NHL level. And, of course, the NHL is the best league in the world. But, you know, it, it is encouraging to see that aspect of his game improve. 
Yeah, and also you have to remember, and I think we have discussed it on Ice on the Price, and we've just, I think many others have as well. I, I'm sorry I don't read French either, so I don't know what's going on in the French media, but um, he came over to NHL, and I thought he would stick really. Uh, I've spoken to Finnish scouts, I've spoken to Finnish media, and, and they all said, no, we were as surprised as anyone else right. that he stayed in, in Montreal. Uh, and he had played a full season on the wing. He wasn't a center in Liga before he came over to, to Montreal. So obviously, he, he played center in the juniors, he played centers in the under-20s, but he hasn't played center at a men's level, so obviously he needs to take those steps. And I think this it's really, really important for him to be able to do that, just as, in a way, he's getting a free ride here. He, he's learning some of the tra- traits that he needs to have when he goes up and, and develops further into that centerman that Montreal envisioned when they picked him at third in the draft. Yeah, and so we're at. Uh, so if you're telling me he picked up an assist uh, today, this afternoon, so that's two goals, five assists in uh, almost ten games. It's nine games in a bit. Yeah, and or you can say the last six six games he has seven points. So in six games he got seven points. I saw you shared. Uh, was it midweek uh, where he had that snipe? Was that a power play goal from the circle where he just he unleashed that wrist shot? Yeah. So he's playing all situations right now is what you're telling me. He is, and, and I think it's it's really important. He's play, averaging around 20 minutes a game. I think that is really good as well, and he's getting into the groove. And um, I know I spoke with Jared and, and Anton on, on our podcast on Ice on the Price, and we were mentioning this, that they are going to come over like not only Jesper Kotkaniemi, but we're looking at Otto Leskinen and Jesse Ilonen. Yeah. They're going to come over in match shape. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a Liga match shape, they're going to come over in match shape, whereas many others are struggling to get ice time right now. Yeah. I mean, there's there's teams, so, Patrick, that haven't played since March. A lot of, like, seven NHL teams haven't played since then. Yeah, I know, and one of the guys is here, and he's getting really frustrated. Yeah. It's Rasmus Dahlin. He's, yeah. he's in Gothenburg doing his workouts and he isn't participating with Ferlunda either but he is you can tell he's a little bit frustrated about it um, he's hammering the racquetball quite hard so, <laughs> so, so he's in shape <laughs> it's Saturday Sports on TSN 690 uh, Joey Alfieri and John still in conversation with Patrick Bexel he's the European correspondent for Habs Eyes on the Price Johnny Patrick, uh, another guy that I'm uh, very interested to see when he eventually gets over here and starts playing some games for the Laval Rocket is uh, Jesse Yelonen. Um What have you seen of his times with the uh, with the Pelicans in uh, Liga? I think you know. I think I mentioned it last time. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he is a little bit of, of he's a, in some ways a better version of Archer Lekonen because he skates so much better. But they have the same kind of hockey IQ. Um, I think they, at that time, they had the same kind of, of slap shot and wrist shot, uh, and they're shooting for more or less the same area when they shoot. I just wish he went on target more like Arthur Lekkonen did when he played in SHL. He, but his skating is phenomenal. I know last, was it two years ago, I went to Finland to speak with him and, and with his uh, coach and, and the GM of, of Pelicans, and they were all saying like, he used to be really terrible at, at skating, but he's worked every day for like 15 years to improve that. And, and you can tell it's improved it. And uh, David Saint-Louis of Ice on the Price, he really, uh, he, he 
really looks at the SEO and say, this is how you need to skate. This is technically very, very right. good. So, and, and uh, you know, getting him into UL Bouchard in, in Rocket and, and having the uh, him teach him a little bit of the aspect of the North American game where he can maybe learn to go more towards the net rather than angling from it or turning away from it, uh, that, that will help him. And I think that will mean that he will be a player with Montreal. The question is in what line and in what role and if he accepts that line and role. Obviously, I think he will do that. His, his aim has always been the NHL. Uh, he was ready to go. So two years ago when I was in Lofty, one yeah, two year, one and a half year ago when I was in Lofty and spoke with him, he wanted to go to, to Laval already after one season. Mm-hmm. But obviously he can't because of the, uh, of the CBA between the Finnish Federation and, and uh, NHL and all the other federations in Europe have the same kind of deal. So right. if you're not picked in the first round, you have to be offered back to the team that you have a contract with in Europe. Mm-hmm. And that's some of the problems that we see now with, uh, because that date where you can sign a European player has obviously passed this year. Right. And we're seeing that Ottawa is trying to get Tim Stutzler to come over after the World Juniors. And yeah, that, that's, a, that's a box that I don't think that the other clubs want to do. We, we know that Montreal was looking into this with Alexander Romanov after his first season. and uh, so, so you have to always keep that thing in, in, in your mind that there is deals that are bigger than maybe the clubs. It's bigger because the other 31 clubs in, in NHL doesn't want to start paying money. And uh, and that's it. But right. yes, Dylan is a great, great competitor. He's a smart player. He uh, has a wicked slap shot when he uses it. And right now, he starts to call for the shots. Before, he hasn't really. But now he's really saying, give me the shot and give me the option and I, I will shoot it. And if, if like he did the other week, he had a massive shot that went in. And, you know, if that hits the goalie, someone is there to pick in the rebound instead. Yeah, that, that's that's... That's encouraging to hear because when you hear that young player just gaining in confidence and improving his skating and the, the shots getting better, I mean, that's that's definitely... I, I think he's uh, maybe a couple years in Laval with Joel Bouchard will do him some good, but uh, that definitely sounds promising. Uh, Patrick, the other player I wanted to get your uh, your just your thoughts on, uh, let us know what's up with uh, Matthias Norlander. I know uh, he was injured for a while, right? But what's the latest with Norlander? I spoke with uh, Christopher Nasland, the uh, no relation to Matt. Right. Let's be honest about that, or Marcus, obviously, if, you, if you're listening from Vancouver. But no, no, he's good. He's been practicing since Tuesday. Uh, they are expecting him to return next Saturday. So he's a week away. Uh, and I think that's they're playing it smart. They're playing to keep him. What did he have? Uh, not to rush him back. Do you know what he it had? It was a shoulder injury. Okay. It was a shoulder injury. Uh, but they're playing it smart. They, they were very fast at tracking it down. It didn't need any surgery, so, so they let it heal and take him slowly because they want Matthias Norland to be able to perform in the playoffs. Even if it looks really bad for Ferranda right now because they're down 5-1. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Patrick, thanks they for... thanks. Yeah, they do. Uh, thanks for doing this, Patrick. We appreciate it, and hopefully we can do this again in a couple weeks. Uh, ho- hopefully um, the season will start in a couple of weeks yes. in NHL, but I'm always ready to, for, for you guys to, to have a conversation about hockey and European hockey in particular. That would be nice. Thanks for doing this, and uh, hopefully we get to see you down here in Montreal uh, 
at some point, if there is a season and uh, fans are allowed back in the building, I hope uh, I hope to meet you and uh, for doing these hits. I know you and I have talked about it, but I will get you a Schwartz Schwartz's deli sandwich. All right. Yeah, you probably have to give two because um, you know, <laughs> that's my, fine. The future wife here. That's fine. Uh, she, she, she's probably coming with us as well. <laughs> it's all good. We we can even get four if you guys want two each. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Have a good day. That's Patrick Wexel, Habs eyes on the prize, European correspondent, funny dude, and uh, really well plugged in uh, to the European hockey scene. Where uh, that's where Jesperi Kotkaniemi is right now, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, as we were speaking to Patrick, picked up an assist. Uh, so he's got, I think Patrick said, seven uh, seven points in his last six games, and he's got seven points in nine games overall in that league. And and that is a big plus. When you have a guy like Kotkaniemi who's starting to produce, gaining confidence, playing the penalty kill, taking big face-offs, playing the power play, he gets here to training camp. He's already, he might be in mid-season form. I just want to do something um, yes. that I've been wanting Impact or not Impact, Impact. fans, Habs fans to be doing since Jesperi uh, Kokkinen has arrived in England in uh-huh. Finland. Yeah, breathe in and breathe out. The kid's gonna be okay just because he didn't produce over well, if like you three to us, you or four known games. That. Patrick, Patrick was on with us two I, weeks ago. He told I, us he was well, going to be fine. We, we are rational people. There are a lot of irrational folks I'm out not, there. I'm not were, rational. Patrick who, made me rational. Oh, really? They, there were some real uh, worries. Once again, has there ever been a player who's been loved from one second to another and then worried about from one second to another yes. more than Jesperi Kakanyemi? Probably. They're just like the, 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 the in pandemonium. This market, in this market, are you kidding me? Well, just like I'm, I'm not talking ever because obviously this place is insane. But I mean, like in the last ten years, like yeah. uh, the 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 hoopla around this kid. There's a lot of just, hoopla. Let's relax. It's let's a lot all of chill out here. It's a lot of hoopla. All right, it's Saturday sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John Still, uh, we're with you till noon. Just a reminder, uh, we do have more soccer talk coming up. Grant Needham will make an in-studio appearance. On Saturday Sports, he'll join us just after 11.05. Uh, we will update the poll results momentarily. Uh, I do want to get to the disaster of the week. I know most Montreal sports fans were locked in on the impact game last night, but there was a horrendous call by an official in another sport. I couldn't believe this one. And it also came at such a crucial moment of the game. One of the worst calls I've ever seen. It reminded me of a brutal decision that went against the Montreal team just a few years ago. Stick around, find out what I'm talking about. This is Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSN 690. Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Good Saturday to you. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. We will be talking soccer with Grant Needham uh, momentarily. Uh, Grant will be making an in-studio appearance. Just want to refresh the results of our Saturday Sports poll question, which is how do you feel about the Montreal Impact's future after what you witnessed in 2020? Your options at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690 on Twitter are trending up for sure, too early to tell, don't have a good feeling. Uh, John Still and I are both in the trending up for sure category, uh, but that was that, that one is actually still in last place. Don't have a good feeling is leading the way at 35%. Too early to tell is at 34%, and trending up for sure is at 31%. So uh, still very tight across the board. You can keep voting uh, for a couple more hours there, and uh, we will be talking more soccer uh, with uh, Grant, John, uh, and myself in the second hour of the program. Uh, but I do want to get to my disaster of the week, 
And I'm going to be honest with you, I was calling the Impact game last night on TSN 690, did not see this live, but but I caught the replay on Twitter, and I will. I want to take you, and I realize that Montreal isn't necessarily the biggest college football town, but this isn't so much about college football per se, but it happened in a college football game. Minnesota, Purdue. Here we go. All I right. saw. I saw this. You saw this. Yes. So Minnesota, that's uh, Mark Tressman's alma mater, and Purdue, uh, that's Drew Brees' alma mater. All right. So just to put it into context for you, so Minnesota is leading thirty-four, thirty-one, with fifty-two seconds left. Purdue has the ball. Jack Plummer, the quarterback for Purdue, the names don't really matter, hits tight end Payne Durham for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Under a minute to go on first down. Looking for the lead. Durham, corner of the end zone. Touchdown, Purdue. He's saying no good. One official said touchdown. There is a flag thrown. All right, that flag ended up being offensive pass interference. And you can go look at the clip. I've actually favored it. So if you go to my, my Twitter account at Joey Alfieri, go to my favorites. Uh, the clip is in there. And you can see it. Offensive pass interference? I, I don't see it. There, there, it was a phantom offensive pass interference call. So that would have been the go-ahead touchdown. But instead, it's called back. Minnesota hangs on for the win. Purdue ends up losing. Uh, their coach was pretty pretty diplomatic about it. I thought he was going to have a fit or something. I went to listen to the audio this morning. And I would have freaked out. Yeah, but he didn't. So it's not worth playing. But it reminded me... That was probably the second worst pass interference call I've seen. Okay, the other worst pass interference call occurred in 2011. I don't know if you remember this, John. The Montreal Alouettes and Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's a game that happened in Winnipeg. Uh, It's a battle. Montreal is trailing Winnipeg by a game for top spot in the Eastern Division standing. September 30th, 2011. Montreal is up 32-26. But Winnipeg is driving. Winnipeg's in Montreal territory, down by six. The rush to the end zone. That's it. Oh, penalty flag just flew at the goal line. A late call at the goal line. That ball was nowhere near anybody. This is a great selling job by Greg Carr. Yeah, at this point, Greg Carr sees the ball sailing well over his head. And look at that. And Mark Tressman is absolutely irate. All right, so there's your uh, Mark Tressman uh, tie-in. Mark Tressman was the head coach of the Alouettes, of course. So that is Montreal-Winnipeg. It's third and ten. Winnipeg in Montreal territory. The quarterback for Winnipeg is Alex Brink. He throws a ball. This is it. You don't convert a first down here, you're done. Uh, There's... 15, 12, 15 seconds left. Brink throws a ball into the end zone. It's over the receiver, Greg Carr's head. No chance he's going to get there. So what Carr does is, not only does he flop, he wraps his arms around Montreal defensive back Greg Leyburn and then flops. So it looks like there's contact. But it's just an abysmal call. It's a terrible call. So what ends up happening? There's less than 10 seconds left. It's pass interference on Montreal's defensive back, Greg Leyburn. So Winnipeg takes the ball from the one-yard line. It's first and goal from the one. 
Montreal's up by six. Absolutely irate. Alex Brink behind center. Touchdown! Or is it? There is no signal. The cannon went off. The replay official has asked us to review the last play. It looks like Brink may have crossed that goal line. After review, the ruling on the field stands and it is second down. Second down. Second down and goal from the one-yard line. Winnipeg tries a quarterback sneak on first down. They don't get in. So this is it. There's one second left on the clock. Winnipeg gets another opportunity. Second and goal from the one, down six after the worst pass interference call I've ever seen. And they complete the comeback. No signal. The quarterback does a quarterback sneak again. No signal. No touchdown. The clock says zeros. This game is over. After review, the ruling on the field stands. The game is over. The Montreal Alouettes hang on to win that game September 30th, 2011 in Winnipeg after the worst pass interference call in the end zone ever on Greg Laburn was called. And Winnipeg has a chance to tie the game plus kick the extra point to win it. And they failed to get in twice from the one-yard line. Two quarterback sneaks by Alex Brink, who ironically enough uh, moved on from Winnipeg, played for the Alouettes for a little bit. And they, they end up holding on to win, Montreal does. 32-26. John, you know how bad that call was? You know what happened three days later? Go on. The CFL fired Rick Berezowski, who was the sideline official or the side judge for that game. That's how bad... That call was a man lost his job because of it, and that was that was a huge that's a that was a huge game again at that time. Winnipeg actually in 2011 they went on to they made it to the Grey Cup and lost to the BC Lions in the Grey Cup game in BC. Uh, but that was the Alouettes win that game and they end up in a tie for first place with the Blue Bombers. It was a huge game at the time, and the side judge ended up getting fired for it. So uh, that's your disaster of the week. The referees in the uh, Purdue-Minnesota game who was the second worst pass interference call uh, I've ever seen. The Montreal Impact's MLS season is over. This team clearly has to address some big needs if they're going to improve in 2021. What do they need most? TSN 690 soccer analyst Grant Needham will make an in-studio appearance on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri.